But uh, we're going to go ahead and go to the scriptures, okay? Um, and we are wrapping up our series on Grow. Have you guys been enjoying Grow? It's been, it's, been a, it's been edifying for me, too. You know, I'm up here, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking. I, I'm declaring things. But a lot of times, man, the Spirit is using my voice to speak, and I'm being ministered to. You know, as the hose gets wet, I'm that hose. You know, we're watering, but I'm getting wet as well. And so I've been enjoying Grow. And we're going to do a quick uh, recap. We're just going to bring everybody up here. If you missed the last couple of weeks, don't worry about it. I'll catch you up right now. But Grow is a series that, uh, of, of stages that we go through in our uh Christianity walk, even before Christ. And there are four stages that we grow through, not necessarily go through, but grow through, okay, or grow in. Uh, and the first one is fellowship. And fellowship is more of the, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm exploring God. And I was able to give my testimony about when, before I came to Jesus Christ, I was just exploring and, and well, I was really curious about God. I, I believed God existed. Um, I knew there was Jesus that died on the cross, uh, but I, did, I wasn't necessarily uh, in a relationship with him. It was just more I was curious. So I would go to church. I would go with friends. I would go to youth groups. I would, I would be invited to certain areas, and uh, it was great and all, but I had one friend from seventh grade on through about after high school where he would, he would just be my friend and he would fellowship with me. He was a, he was a, a God-fearing um, boy at the time that just loved Jesus. And he did everything he can to relate to me. He fellowshiped. And because of my fellowship with him, I was having fellowship with God. I was curious. You guys ever been curious before? <clears throat> Maybe it was the first time that you ever heard of God. You're curious. So you check out a church. You talk to certain people. You're exploring God. And then the next phase that I got into when I first came here to Res Life, which is uh, the, the, the second one we talked about, was from fellowship to relationship. I accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Now I've created a new relationship with my Heavenly Father through uh, Jesus Christ. And that gave me a new beginning. Everyone say, new beginning. See, when, when, I, when I entered into a relationship, which actually about 12 years ago we're here today, uh, and I came to Christ, I started my new relationship fresh. I had a new beginning. The old me was gone, and I believed it. The stuff that I did in high school was gone. I wasn't being looked at that way anymore. I wanted to change for the good. I wanted to, I wanted to do so much for the glory of God. Anybody have been in that Amen. boat before? I wanted to do so much. So I entered in this relationship with him. I, was, I had a new beginning. I had a new beginning. And so from relationship, I started growing. I, I, was, I just wanted to know more. And relationship turned into discipleship, okay? From fellowship, relationship, discipleship. And discipleship was just simply wanting to be close to the word. Now, according to John, uh, uh, Christ is the word of God, okay? John 1, Christ is the word, okay? So I wanted to be cr- uh, close to Christ. I wanted to be close to the word of God. And when you go through the New Testament, uh, the, the Gospels, you'll see when Jesus was walking on this world, he had 12 disciples that followed him. They were close to Jesus. And the coolest thing was they, they didn't have the best education. I mean, we had some fishermen and tax collectors in there. And they just dropped what they were doing, and they started to draw close to him. And wherever Jesus went, they wanted to go. They stood close to God. That's discipleship. And today, we're going to wrap up our series on lordship, okay? And lordship is literally wanting to be God-centered in everything we do, in our decisions, in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, in our circumstances. We, we need to be God-centered, 
okay? So from fellowship, relationship, discipleship, now lordship, we had to remember there's an enemy out there that's trying to make us abandon ship. Because if we abandon ship, we're not growing, period. We're out of the will of God, and that's exactly where he wants us. And we understood that the enemy, he's a bad enemy. He's here to kill, still kill and destroy our relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. Maybe our relationship here on earth and everything that we do. And so today we're going to be getting into lordship. But let's pray first. Father, I just thank you right now uh, in the name of Jesus Christ for your word, Father. I pray in Jesus' name that your will be done today. Lord, the words that come out of my mouth, please, Father God, just allow it to be from your heart and your throne, Father God, that we will be ministered in many ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sorry, I got a dry throat. All right. So, lordship, okay? Now, we've been going in this phases of, okay, fellowship, relationship, discipleship, and I'm pretty sure a lot of us have been kind of locating where we're at. Like, okay, I'm, I, I want to get to this point. And, you know, that's a good indicator. I think that's cool that you're just wanting to grow, and we have to figure out where we're at and we're supposed to. But there was one important thing I wanted to, um, I reminded you last week, and I said this. I said, because we came from fellowship into relationship doesn't mean we stop fellowshipping. Because we come to relationship to discipleship doesn't mean we stop in our relationships and our fellowship and here on earth. No, we continue those things. We continue to fellowship. We continue to build our relationship. We continue to draw close to his word in our discipleship. And here's the thing. When we look at lordship, okay, lordship is not a time series or a growing chart. See, at my house, uh, we've been living in our house for about five, a little over five years now. We first moved in there when Joshua was three and Malaya was one. And uh, we only had the two at the time. Now we have four, okay? And so our family is growing, and every year on their birthdays, okay, and maybe you got parents do this too, on their birthdays, we line them up against the wall and we measure them. And then we put their name and the age. Anybody done that? Or maybe you guys did that when you guys were kids? It's fun. So on, on our children's birthdays, they would, they would say, okay, I'm ready for my presents. All right, where's my cake? Is people coming over? And can I also uh, stand against the wall so you can measure me? That's all comes together on their birthday. They're excited about being measured. And every year they get to look back and they, and they compare. It's so funny, they compare. And my daughter has been like, she's the second oldest and she's been beating my son on the ages. I mean, my son's still taller, but when he was four, she was four. When he was five, she was five. Like it was just, and she just loves it. And my son doesn't say much. He's a good sport, you know, but I know it's kind of like, ah, you know, what's going on? So, uh, but here's, here's the thing. Our kids, we look at a grow chart, and I don't want grow or even lordship to be looked at it at, as a grow chart, okay? Here's the thing. I don't want you to think, well, it's not, in about 10 years, I'll get to this point, or in 10 years, I'm there. That's not what this grow series is about. It's about locating where I'm at and continuing to grow in maturity in Christ. See, lordship, lordship is where you began. Let me say that again. Lordship is where you began. What do you mean? I thought I had to start with fellowship and then get into a relationship. Yes, but lordship means you are God-centered in everything. Okay, are you guys following me so far? Okay, you guys can say yes. yes. <laughs> when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the very first time, you were made God-centered. Okay, 
When you accepted Jesus, okay, and you said, yes, Lord, and you did the prayer, and you said, man, and I, man, Jesus, Holy Spirit coming in my heart, you were made God-centered. And the reason why I'm emphasizing that is because so many people think they have to work to be God-centered. They have to work at themselves. Now, it's good to have good fruit in your life. Have good habits, good traits, good character. The Bible talks about it. But you cannot make yourself look right before God by according to your obedience. The Bible strictly says that it is Christ's obedience. You've been made righteous. You've been made right before God. You've been made God-centered. So let me say this again, okay? Lordship, okay, is where you began when you first accepted Christ. You were made God-centered. So off the bat, you're in lordship. You guys can now throw the notes out like, ah, oh. four weeks and I was waiting for this one. <laughs> but it's so good. It's good news for us that we get to step into this uh, 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 Christianity walk, this, this walk with our heavenly father through Christ Jesus, knowing, man, I'm already God. He made me. But again, the enemy tries to distract and, well, do you remember what you did? And you remember, oh, remember tomorrow, tomorrow you're probably going to mess that up anyways. And that's the part where he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy every truth and promise. We even went to the uh, Mark chapter 4, the parable. We talked about the parable of the farmer that, that sows seed and that the birds of the air would come and take the seed away from stony ground. But the, but the ground that was good, the, the seed would sink in and take root, and it would flourish. Remember that for a second, okay? And if you want, you can even keep your finger at Mark 4. But here's the thing. The question shouldn't be, how, how, do, I, how do I get to be God-centered? The question should be, how do I stay God-centered? Everyone say, how do I stay God-centered? Because remember in that parable that there is birds of the air that came to take the seed away from the stony ground, which means the enemy is going to do everything he can to take the word of God away from your hearts. Because the whole mission, the whole issue is with the person's heart, your heart. Now, we're going to start off in Luke chapter 8. And if you guys want to flip the pages or scroll there, Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Okay, and this is Jesus talking. And this is the parable. I know we had Mark 4, but you also see this account in, in Luke as well. And, and I'm going to read one verse out of that, okay? In Luke 8, 15, Jesus says, But the ones that fell on good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now, Jesus is explaining the parable what the seed is, okay? He says it is one with, good, with a good heart. The good ground represents the good heart. We know that, right? You see, when the parable talks about good ground, he's talking about your heart, not necessarily outside in the fields. He uses that story to, to illustrate something. But the whole time Jesus is talking about having your heart good. Well, how do, you, how, do you, how do you get to that point? How do you stay in that point? Well, there's three things we need to do to have good grounds in our hearts. Or in other words, have our hearts soft. Now, the first one is, is to have a humble heart. Look at your number and say, humble, humble heart. Matthew 13, this passage, starting in verse 10, it says this. Now, Jesus is hanging with his disciples, and he, they ask him a question, and it says this. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people with parables? Why do you speak to the people with parables? Teacher, we just want to know. Why? Now, I'm going to pause here for a second because I'm going to remind you guys on something. A parable, 
the reason why Jesus used parables was because he was taking truth and throwing it along, or he was taking stories and throwing it alongside the truth so that something in the natural can have an understanding of the supernatural. He was, he was having these disciples and the people that were hungry for him understand his truth by using stories, which are parables. And they ask him, teacher, why, why do you speak to the people with parables? And Jesus replies, because the knowledge of the secrets, in other translations it says mysteries, because the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Look, to your, look at your neighbor and say, it's been given to you. But not to them. Okay, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be, for, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. And other translations says that people's hearts have grown dull. It's grown dull. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. And turn and I will heal them. And I, I personally think that that turn part is not the right translation. The, the original translation is to return, okay? Return, or in other words, we hear the word repent, okay? When you repent, you're turning away from sin and going back to the father. We saw that with the prodigal son in the story where the son leaves the father, realizes I messed up, he turns and comes back to the father and the father's arms are wide open. That's what he's talking about. He says, you return and I will heal you. It's about returning to the father, bringing our hearts back. But the disciples asked, teacher, why, why, why parables? And I love the, the response he gave us. He pretty much said, it's given to you and not to them. It's given to those of you and not to them. Well, who, who's them? Anybody curious? Who's them? Well, them are those who choose not to humble their heart. The people that just choose not to humble their heart are them. Making sense? But choosing to humble your heart, it's you. And that's where you will understand the mysteries and the secrets. And Jesus says you will return. And I will heal you emotionally, mentally, physically. It is offered and it is there. And that is truth. But it requires us to humble our hearts. Everyone say humble our hearts. See, the whole issue, it's a heart. It's about the heart. You know, and a lot of times we like to work on the outside of, of our um, our character, and you know, and we have to get better at attitudes and stuff like that. But but bottom line is, is if we address not the fruit but the root, man, things will start growing. Attitudes gonna just come, and it's gonna be righteous. Behavior is just gonna happen, and it's gonna be more natural because of what is in the heart. It's always been about a heart issue, and we need to be careful because the enemy's doing everything he can to have the heart grow hard or dull. Hard or dull. Because if he can give you, get your heart to be hard or dull, that means you're not good ground right now. 
Everyone following so far? Okay. All right, just making sure. You ever wonder why people, uh, some people would read the Bible and they gain this awesome insight. They read something like, oh yeah, this is what Jesus is saying, and they go on with it. Anybody, anybody have a friend like that or anything like that? Maybe you're the person. I'm sorry. Okay. You're that person. <laughs> Got it. Got it. I'll raise my hand. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Ever ever see those people that uh, just, just get it? If you will pay attention, you would see that their heart is good. That's why. And what's happening is when they crack this baby open and they read, it sinks to the heart and mysteries and secrets are revealed. It's about the heart. It's about good ground. That's why I said pull your Bible out. Pull the Bible out. Crack that baby open. You see, when the word comes and that person reads it, it sinks and then it doesn't just lay on top. It sinks down, and what happens is they, they're able to produce fruit and speak to people because of a soft heart. They've humbled their heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The moment you say yes to Jesus, that stone heart that we have, that unforgiveness that we have, is removed by our Heavenly Father, and He puts a, a, a flesh heart, a soft heart in you. Now our job is to keep it soft, because what's going to happen is the persecutions, the worries, the upset, the anger is going to do everything it can to harden it. And so when we go to church with that heart, and the word comes to you, it's hitting stony ground. And then the birds of the air, the enemy, is going to come and snatch it away. Or if it's dull, the thistles and the worries and the thorns are going to rise up. The weeds, in other words, is going to rise up and it's going to choke out what we're learning because we're worrying so much. Am I illustrating it? Are we getting Okay, good. Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart. We all start with a brand new heart. See, our, our, we have a hard heart pretty much... It's saying like, well, in other words, look at it this way. Ever been in a situation, and I'm guilty of this, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, you know, where, where we go through an issue and we say, well, I'm never doing that again, and we walk away. I'm never going to do that. I, I've learned my lesson. Yeah, I get it. And we turn our heart away from that. Or maybe you've been on the other end, and you're like, man, that was, that was cold-hearted. <laughs> Ever say that? Ever hear that? That was cold-hearted. It's exactly what the word is talking about, staying away from that. Isaiah 57, 15. I'll say that again. Isaiah 57, 15 says this. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this. Okay, I'll stop there for a second because we're just about to hear something where Scripture told us this is God Almighty about to speak. Okay, I know his whole word is God in his spirit. But right here, I think like Jesus is literally saying, listen up, Okay. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, he says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. I revive those with a repentant heart. In other words, what he's saying is I dwell in a high place and those that want to humble their heart, they're with me. They are here with me right now. Look at it this way. How do I, how do I get up to a humble heart? The way to get up to the kingdom is getting low in heart. 
when your knees hit the ground, you're up with him over there. Okay? And so, and so what we need to do, and, I, you know, physically that's great. You know, I, I get it. But what I'm trying to say is we need to illustrate that in our heart. When our heart, the knees of our heart hit the ground, heaven's opened up. You are dwelling with the most high God because you have humbled yourself. You have humbled your heart. I can't press that anymore. A humbled heart is a low heart saying yes to God and no to the world. Yes to his word and his ways and no to my ways. I humble myself before you, God. Psalms 10, 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their hearts. You will cause your ear to hear. Because of a humble heart, God causes his ear to hear. And I'm pretty sure he's going to answer. He's going to correct. He's going to teach. He's going to show because of a humble heart. Well, what is he preparing for? He prepares for us. He prepares our hearts for us to receive the word of God. And remember the, the they or them? Remember we talk about them, those that don't want to humble their heart? Well, they don't understand because they thought they knew everything. I mean, we saw that with Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are those of the religious leaders. They knew the law. They, they had it all. The outward looked great. And they're the ones that were pointing the finger at Jesus all the time because they felt like they knew everything. If we can get into that mindset of knowing everything, it means that we, uh, it means that we can't learn anything. We don't have room for that because I think our heads are just too big, you know, and there's just no room for that. And God is saying, look, when you humble your heart, it's saying, hey, I don't know everything, but I know you know everything. We simplify what he has for us. So having a humble heart is the first thing. Now, the second thing we need to have to stay uh, on good ground or have our heart stay soft is to also have a holy heart. Everyone say holy heart. Going back to Isaiah 57, 15, I'm just going to read that first, that first part of it, okay? It says that the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this, I live in the high and holy place. Holy. So we know God is holy, and we know he dwells in a holy place. But this is where a lot of believers miss it. We uh, define something that's not really defined as that. And sometimes we think holy is perfect. And don't get me wrong, our God is perfect, but that's not what holy means. Sometimes we think holy is sinless, and don't get me wrong, our God is sinless, but that's not what holy means. Okay? What holy means is to set apart or to separate from. To set apart or separate from. God simplified it for us so we could have an understanding of it. For instance, 1 Peter 1, 15 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Think about that for a second. If we define it as, as perfect, he's saying be perfect for I'm perfect. No, that's not what God is saying. Because if it was perfection we aimed for, then we wouldn't need a savior. And that I don't want. We need a savior. Okay? But what he's saying is, be holy because I'm holy. Set yourself, set your hearts apart from the world and in tune with me. Set yourself apart because I've set myself apart. 
okay? Leviticus 20, 26, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. I've set you apart from the nations so you can be my own. And he's not talking about, again, the perfect or sinless. He's talking about separating ourselves from the world ways. Well, what are some world ways? Let's, let's, let's think about it for a second. Fear of our future. See, his word says, holy, his holy word says that he, we have a bright future, that he knows the plans for our future. Okay, that's holy. But when we believe and we are into uncertainty and we're just not sure, we're now going, and fear sets in that, we're, now we're going into the not holy place. Um, the moment you came to Christ, probably before Christ, there were some areas where maybe we were, we were bitter and, and had unforgiving hearts in certain areas. But the moment we encountered Christ, we, had, we understand his forgiveness, and therefore we want to extend forgiveness as well. We've entered into a holy place. We've separated ourselves. When you should have been mad, in other words, when you should have been mad, you're not. When you should have retaliated, you didn't. Because his word says, be holy, for I'm holy. Separate yourself from the world ways and follow my ways. So when I want to be unforgiving, I'm just going to choose to forgive. Because that's what he did for me. Having a holy heart. Everyone say holy heart. The third thing is this. Have a heavenly heart. So we have a humble heart, a holy heart, but now a heavenly heart heart. Again, Isaiah 57, 15, I've shortened it even more, okay? It says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, okay? The high and lofty one who lives in eternity. God is an eternal God is what I'm trying to say. He's an eternal God. When, when we set our minds on temporal things, it's hard for us to understand an eternal word, Okay? When we approach this thing wanting something that's just temporal, it's hard to understand what's eternal here because our minds are not heavenly. And he's saying, you want to keep your heart soft? He's like, have a heavenly, oh, sorry, have a heavenly uh, 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 heart and watch the eternal God do eternal things in a natural life. That's what Jesus did all day when he was walking this world. And then when he left, he left us his spirit. And he's still doing that all day, every day, okay? I just heard a testimony today. Ricky and I were talking, and she was telling me about the hurricane and her family in Florida. And, and I'll just to kind of bring it into, uh, um, to bring the long story short, through that whole hurricane and the eye going over their property, said a little bit of trickle went in the water, not too much, but everything looks great. And she said, I interceded, I prayed, I did everything. And you know what? Something eternal happened in the natural in her family and she was praising God. She's like, Jesse, I'm just so excited. I'm just so, so excited. I'm like, that's right. That's right. That's cool. I'm like, can I go to the bathroom now? No, <laughs> service is going to start. Too much information. Sorry. Okay. Looking at it from a heavenly perspective is looking at it through uh, God's eyes. Looking at it with heavenly heart, we see the mysteries of God. When we have a, a heavenly heart, we can, we can see the uh, mysteries of God revealed in our lives. For instance, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, So we fix our eyes not as on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, unseen is eternal. Did I say that right? Yeah, okay. What, what, is, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm not done. Colossians 3.1, it backs it up. Check it out. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now, I talk about you guys, okay? You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on above, uh, things of above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You guys, this is for you, okay? When we humble our hearts, when we have a heavenly heart, when we have a holy heart, we're keeping the ground in our hearts soft so when the word of God comes, whether I'm speaking up here, whether you're reading the word, whether you're worshiping, whether you're singing in the car, wherever you're at, whether you're discussing it, you're, at a, you're in a small group, you're, you're, you're watching it on TV, or you're just simply drawing it out of your heart, you're going to see the mysteries of God unfold in your life. You're going to see the mysteries of God come to life manifested before your eyes. And what's going to happen is you're going to share that story with somebody and you're going to inspire somebody. You're going to make someone curious. I want to fellowship. I want to explore who this God is. Who's this God that you're talking about? Who is he? Why did all these things happen to you? Why is it so good for you? And you have them in the curiosity stage and they want, they want to explore God now. Let me, let me check out this church. Let me just crack a Bible. I do own a Bible. I never really read it. And what's happening through that fellowship, because of a humble heart, a heavenly heart, a holy heart, what's happening to those people is they're stepping from fellowship into relationship. And they're like, oh, I got such a new beginning. God is so good. God is awesome. And they're in this new relationship, this new beginning. And then they get hungry. They get hungry and they want more. They want to draw close and near to the word of God. And they become disciples. And they want to take these, this discipleship and run with it. And then they realize, I want to be God-centered in everything. And then they realize again, I am God-centered. And then before you know it, that person is doing and living the way God intended them to live. And you know what happens after that? Someone else says, hey, what do you have? I want that. I want that. Talking about advancing the kingdom of God. Guys, here's the thing. We will slip. We will mess up. But it's because of his obedience that we've been made right before God. And we just have to simply believe it. Yeah, mistakes and failures will happen, but we learn from them. When we get struck down, we're not counted out. We rise up again. We stand on his truth and his word and establish Christ as the cornerstone of our life. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you just did at 9.30 today. There is a new beginning for every single one of us here. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna take your past and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna share it of what God, how God got you out of slavery of this world and brought you to freedom in Christ. And maybe, maybe, maybe the world identified you as an alcoholic. Guess what? God can heal you where you're at. You are not an alcoholic. You are, the, you are a child of the most high God. Well, maybe, maybe uh, Jesse, I went through this whole thing and I've, I've messed up in so many ways. I, I did drugs or I drank or I did whatever it was. It doesn't matter. You're not labeled that anymore the moment you humble your heart. Because the moment you come to Christ, you are in lordship. 
You are God-centered. And he's made you brand new. Everyone say brand new. I'll close it with this. I'll close it with some good news. The word of God produces the fruit, not you. The word of God produces the fruit. We just got to keep the ground soft. That's it. Pressure load off. Case closed. Grand slam. Home run. Touchdown. It's there. It is the word of God that's going to produce the fruit in your life, not you. (laughs) No way. But when you have soft ground and the word comes in, the fruit just flourishes and people want it. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head. Lord, I just thank you right now, Father, for just an opportunity to share your word, Lord. And Father, speak to their hearts right now. Speak to my heart, to all of us in this room right now, Lord, as we gather together. Holy Spirit, continue to saturate us. Churches, as our eyes are closed, I'm going to encourage you guys, listen to the Holy Spirit right now, because I know he's speaking. There are areas that might have been touched in your, in your heart right now that he just wants to simply work on. That's it. Allow him. God, I just thank you right now, Lord, for speaking to us. Holy Spirit, we drop our heart knees to the ground. We humble ourselves, Father. Lord, we separate our heart from the world ways and stay in tune with your word. Lord, we look at the eyes of our hearts through heavenly perspective and not through earth. Holy Spirit, continue to speak and show and reveal your mysteries and your secrets for our lives, your promises. Here's a couple of invitations for you guys as everyone's eyes are closed. You know, maybe this is the first time you've heard Jesus Christ. Or even not realizing I could have a personal relationship with God, not through somebody, but you one-on-one with your Heavenly Father through His Son. I would love, I would love it if I could lead you in a prayer. No one's business, just one-on-one. Now here's a second invite. You know the word. You go to church. But when he draws us to deep waters, we've been shying away. And he's saying, look, son, look, daughter, come here. I got you. I've created you to walk on this. But God, I'll sink. That's because you're looking through an earthly perspective. See, when you have a heavenly heart, you'll know that you'll walk. And you want to draw back to him right now. That is your invite. On the count of three, we'll do this together as a family. All eyes closed. I want you to just shoot your hand up and just look right at me for a second. One, I need Jesus. Two, I want Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It's amazing. We're going to do this as a family now, okay? Everyone put one hand over your heart and one hand to the sky. And repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in your word. 
I believe in your son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Forgive me of all my sin. I thank you I am brand new today. I am not labeled what the world says I'm labeled. I am fingerprinted by you in my heart. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, guide me the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all shout out.